Jesus. You know, the song there says that we are free because we choose to be. There's a lot of times that our, our prison that we're stuck in, the chains, the bondage that we experience is due to our, our own self because of our choices and because we have chosen to stay in bondage. Because freedom's a choice. You can be free here this morning. The Lord is here. There's opportunity for you to be set free. So matter, no matter what your bondage is, no matter what the chains are, you have no excuse other than this yourself as to why you would leave here still bound. But you can choose to be free this morning. Amen. How many are free? How many are free? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. My wife and I have been out of town for a couple of days. Got back last night um, from Daytona. We had a ministry, a youth team meeting we were at. So have you ever driven somewhere and um, you maybe it's even here in town and your, your car's on E and you just coast into the gas station to get gas? Yeah, that's how I feel in my body this morning. I'm running on fumes and I'm just coasting into the gas station. So we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time in the Holy Ghost today. But I'm going to have a good time when I get home and take that nap. I'll tell you that right now. Praise God. There's nothing more spiritual than a Sunday afternoon nap. That is of the Lord. It is biblical. It's apostolic. It's New Testament. Amen. The rest of the Lord, the peace of the Holy Ghost. You can go home and sleep. You ever lay down, you take a nap, and you wake up feeling worse? Man, that doesn't happen on Sundays. doesn't happen on Sundays. I always feel better. Amen. You turn with me. You're going to have to you're going to really have to look for this one. You're going to have to turn a long way. So I hope you know your books of the Bible. Genesis chapter 28. If you turn to Genesis chapter 28. It will start with verse well, excuse me, chapter number 28. Yes, verse number 10. Genesis 28, verse number 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. He forgot to bring his pillows, so he laid on some rocks. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. By the help of the Lord, I want to just talk to us a few moments this morning. On this subject, assembled at the gate of heaven. Assembled at the gate of heaven. Why don't you shake somebody's hand next to you. Greet them in Jesus' name.
How many are thankful for the church? How many are thankful for the presence of the Lord? My, some of my fondest and earliest memories are of the church and being in his presence. I grew up in the church. I'm thankful for having grown up in the church. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. I'm so thankful um, that, that I grew up in the church. Uh, I think depending on which side of my uh, family, my mother or my father, I have to remember which one, but I, around sixth generation Pentecost. Isn't that a blessing? That's great. I'm not ashamed of that. Some people shy away from saying it, but I'll tell you, I'm excited about it. This is all I've known. This is the truth. I love the truth. I love the church. And I'm thankful for his presence. I'm thankful for having grown up in the church. I can remember as a young kid hearing those old songs. One of my favorite songs growing up, even to this day, it's an old song. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power. I, you know, I feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Anybody know that song? I can remember just being held by my, my dad and just hearing that song in the church and just seeing people singing and watching the pastor on the platform. I can remember the first time I ever felt the Holy Ghost, maybe six years old, I think. I can remember praying in the corner and uh, some people laying hands on me. I can remember looking down at my legs and I can remember seeing my pants just shaking because it was the Holy Ghost. It's the first time I had ever felt it. I can remember being in a prayer room as a, as a young kid, and, and um, I can remember an elder in the church came up and prayed for me. He wasn't a preacher. He was just a faithful saint of God. He was the, the head usher, as a matter of fact. He came up and just said a simple prayer for me, and I can remember just feeling a tear drop down my face, and I can remember him telling me, the Lord's going to use you. wasn't a preacher. wasn't a prophet. It was just a faithful saint of God the head usher in the church, just the, the best guy you'd ever meet. But I can remember the feeling in that prayer room. I can remember uh, the singing of the saints. I can remember the, the pastor preaching. Anybody have memories like that? They're great memories. They're good memories, and they are continuing to happen. We experience God's presence in this place. If you're first generation, if you didn't have grandparents and great-grandparents, uh, if you're a first generation here, um, then you can make your own memories. You can begin those memories today. But I'm thankful for God's presence. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for God's hand in my life and in my wife's life and my family. And I never want to take that for granted. I never want to come to this place and get so used to it that I miss opportunities. I never want to get so used to it that I, I'm familiar with the process of how this works. I know the schedule that we keep. I know when the altar service begins and when it ends. I know when it's appropriate to clap and say amen when the preacher's preaching. We've get, we get it down. We get professional with it. and we, we get accustomed and used to it. And if we're not careful, then we can begin to take God's presence for granted. We can begin to miss opportunities. We can come to his presence. We can become so used to it that we walk out of this place, and it's almost like driving. You ever drive a car, and you, you go through a light, and you say, I don't remember if that was red or green, because you're so used to your, the route you take. You're so used to, uh, to the, the process of getting to work and getting home that you don't pay attention. You can almost do it blindfolded. I never want to get that way with God. I never want to get that way with the church. I don't want to get used to this. I don't want to get accustomed to this. I don't want to miss opportunities. 
but I want to take advantage of each and every time that I am in his presence. I want to soak in his presence. I want to acknowledge who he is. I want to thank him for what he's done for me this week. I want to give him praise. I want to give him glory. I want to bring an offering of worship into the house of God. And each and every Sunday, Thursday, prayer meetings that we have, we are in his presence. We are at the gate of heaven. We're at the gate of heaven. By now, in our opening text, Isaac had come to terms with what he knew was the Lord's will all along. That the older would serve the younger and that it would be his son Jacob, not Esau, who would receive the birthright. Now, Isaac, at this point, in this moment, was going to release his son Jacob with a blessing and instruction. If you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, the twins, don't have time to go completely through it, but Jacob deceived his father Isaac, got the birthright um, from, from, uh, in place of his, his brother Esau from his father Isaac. And um, so Isaac now, that process has completed. Isaac now is ready to release Jacob, coming to terms with what has happened, and he's going to give him the blessing and send him away. So the Bible says in Genesis 28, verse 1 and 2, Isaac called Jacob. And he blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So it was essential now, Isaac is giving instruction to his son, it was essential that Jacob not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan as his brother Esau had. His brother Esau, full of trouble, He had done what he should not have, taken a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So Jacob's being instructed, don't do the same thing. Jacob was now the one divinely chosen to inherit the birthright and to carry on the seed of the Messiah. And then came the moment of truth. Isaac has called Jacob in. He's going to bless him. He's going to send him away. He's given him instruction. Then came the moment of truth. This was the transferal of Abraham's blessing. This was going to pass the blessing of Abraham onto onto Jacob, rather. So Isaac calls Jacob in, and uh, this this was the moment. After the general blessing, uh, Isaac was going to bestow upon Jacob this specific, powerful, Abrahamic blessing. This was the covenant that God made to Abraham and his descendants. This was the aspect of the birthright that the Bible says Esau, Jacob's brother, despised. But Jacob would now gain it. Jacob was the one to carry on God's promise to Abraham. So Isaac calls Jacob in, gives him instruction, and then he blesses him in Genesis 28, 3 through 5. He he says, God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee. And thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. So after receiving this most important blessing, Jacob would now begin his journey eastward toward the ancestral lands of his grandfather, Abraham, and his mother, Rebekah. So Jacob 
this would be the land that he would choose his spouse from. This would be the approved land. This would be the spot where he would go and choose a wife. He was going to begin his journey now uh, to fulfilling the blessing that he had just received and the birthright that he had, had just gotten. So he, he begins his, his journey. He packs his bags. He gathers his things together. And he's going to start out on this journey. He's, it's in, in a sense, he's, he's being kicked out of the house. Okay, There comes a point, I hope, and if there's anybody in here that's still living in your parents' house, I'm not talking to you, okay? You're fine. But there comes a point where, you know, your parents just got to kick you out. Okay? They just got to kick you out and make you leave. And they, they, they kicked Jacob out. He was gone. All right? Uh, my parents wanted me to leave, but they didn't want to kick me out, so they started making me pay rent. Then I left. So, it, you know, so if you're trying to get them out, if you want to be nice about it, just make them pay rent. They'll get them out of there. So, all right. Oh, no, my sister-in-law. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I guess we'll be skipping dinner over there for the next few weeks. <laughs> I said I wasn't talking to anybody. So Jacob, he was sent on his own. He said, you've got to go find a wife. You've got to go find a spouse. You've got to fulfill the blessing. So Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. The Bible says that he came to a certain place, and he came to a stopping place, a place to rest, a place to, to sleep because the sun was setting. And so he, again, he forgot, I'm being joking. Somebody said, yes, amen, like I was being serious. I have this thing where I can tell a joke and I don't laugh. So I said Jacob forgot his pillow. I don't know that that's the case. But Jacob came to this place. And he decided to gather some stones and sleep on a stone. So he gathered them together. Maybe they didn't have Serta. They didn't have, you know, sleep number beds back then. So they were just fine to lay and sleep wherever. Um, they just had, you know, rock solid, rock hard bodies. And they could just sleep anywhere and it didn't matter. They didn't have to have, you know, my pillow and, and order those things. So Jacob, he, he gathered some rocks together. He laid down. He laid on these rocks. And Jacob, now in this moment, he was firmly committed to the journey. He was firmly committed to the process he was now on to receive his blessing. And one can only imagine the flood of emotions that was going through his mind as he stopped in this place, as he was headed to find his spouse, as he had finally received the blessing. There was a flood of emotions, no doubt, going through his mind as he gathered those rocks together and laid his head down on them to go to sleep. He was in an unknown place. He was lonely. He was experiencing isolation. He was traveling into new territory where he didn't know anybody. And on the other hand, there had to be a certain level of excitement and anticipation. What would tomorrow hold? What would the next day hold? What would my spouse look like? What are my kids going to be like? When, is, when are we going to finally see the Messiah? What is this blessing going to mean in my life? what is going to happen in generations to come. And as he stopped to rest, as he laid his head down in that unfamiliar, uncomfortable place, the Bible says that Jacob drifted off and he fell asleep. And as he drifted off and fell asleep, as he laid his head down in this unfamiliar, strange place, 
and his eyes became dim and he finally nodded off to sleep. The Bible says that he began to dream an amazing and an incredible dream. Genesis 28, 12 says, Jacob dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth. So he saw a ladder just standing on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. In Jacob's dream, there was a ladder set before him and there were angels. There were spirit beings from heaven, a heavenly host that were ascending and descending. They were walking up and down the ladder. They were touching the earth and they were going back up to heaven. I would imagine the ladder was probably pretty tall. The ladder probably went up a great distance to reach heaven. Went up pretty far, maybe as far as he could see. And and as far as he could see, all he could see was angels coming up and down the ladder. And in Jacob's dream, God was now closer than Jacob had ever imagined before. And there was real access and interaction in his dream between heaven and earth. Heaven was literally in his dream touching the ground where he was at. Heaven, the spirit realm, was coming down just feet away from where he was laying. It was touching the ground where he stood. It was going down and it was coming back up. Constant movement between heaven and touching earth. The God of Abraham, the God that he had learned about growing up, the, the stories that he had been told about his, his grandfather, his ancestors. The God of Abraham would not be a God in this dream that was unconcerned with the things of earth. He would not be a God who distanced himself from his creation, shut up in heaven and staying silent. But the God of Jacob's forefathers would be his God, And that God had a ladder fixed between heaven and earth that made direct connection to the place where he was sitting. And there at the top of the ladder, as Jacob in his dream looked up where the angels were ascending, as they would disappear into what he imagined, what he understood to be the heavenly realm, the Bible says that the Lord was at the top of the ladder that the Spirit of God at the top of the ladder looked down on Jacob as the angels ascended and descended, and he spoke to Jacob. And he said in Genesis 28, 13, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in Thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Jacob, there was no doubt in his mind that he had heard about and he had understood who the God of his fathers was. But now that great God that appeared to Abraham and to Isaac was now meeting with Jacob in his own personal way. Here, God was essentially, if we understand what God was saying, he was essentially repeating to Jacob the covenant that he gave to both Abraham and to Isaac. This was a powerful confirmation to Jacob that the blessing that had been bestowed upon him 
just scriptures earlier by his father Isaac, was now going to come to pass. God had endorsed it. God had spoken to Jacob in this place. He said, my spirit is right here with you. Everything that has been told and prophesied over you is true. And if you'll honor me, if you'll follow me, then I'm going to complete a work in you. God assured him. He said, I'm with thee. I'm going to keep you in all the places that you go. And I'm going to bring you back again into this place, into this land. I'm not going to leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God was giving Jacob the same kind of promise that we read about in the New Testament, Philippians 1, 6. We all know the verse, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many are thankful this morning that God will not let us go until his work is complete? God does not do half the job. Some of us lazier folk like to do half a job and save the rest till tomorrow. But God doesn't operate that way. Once he begins a work in you, once he begins a process in you, he completes the process. He doesn't let you go until he's finished. So somebody here this morning, you need to understand God is not done with you yet. God has not completed his work in you yet. You may think that you're alone. You may think that you're in the state that you are from here until eternity. But God is saying to you this morning that he's not done yet. He has not completed his work in you yet. He's not completed his work in your family yet. He's not completed his work in your body yet. So don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't be upset. Don't go home depressed because God is not done with you yet. You're his master project. You are what he's been working on for a long time. He's just putting a little bit of extra work in you, but he's not done with you yet. So after this dream, Jacob jumped up, startled, afraid, not believing what he had just seen. I don't know about you, but it's been a while since I've dreamed about angels descending and ascending into my room, walking down and touching foot where where I'm laying. And God speaking to me audibly in a voice. Jacob experienced this powerful, powerful move of the Spirit in his dream. And as he woke up and as he pondered what had just happened, as he thought about the angels that were ascending and descending, about the ladder that stood there in his midst, about the voice of God that spoke so powerfully to him, Jacob had just heard from Almighty God. And he understood He discerned that this was someplace special. This was no ordinary ground. On the outside, it may look like just dirt and clay and rocks, dust. It may feel isolated. He may only be able to hear animals and bugs in the distance. It may be cold to a degree at night. It may just look like an ordinary atmosphere. But this was not ordinary ground. These were not ordinary rocks. Jacob declared in Genesis 28, 16, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I had no idea when I got here that he was here. I had no idea when I was weary and laid down from my journey that God was right here next to me. I had no clue that where I was at, 
The Almighty God of the universe was also right there with me. The Bible says Jacob was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this, this place where he laid his head, this place is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob was correct in his assessment. He was right in the situation that that God was here. To the natural eye, this didn't look like the gate of heaven. It just looked like an ordinary place. This just looked like a place with rocks and dust and isolated, not many for miles around. But God had just met him here in a powerful way, and Jacob's life would never be the same. Spirit of worship then overtook Jacob as he gathered stones from under his head. He built there and made pillars, and he grabbed his oil, and he dumped it on top of those pillars from top to bottom. And he called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God, the house of God. This is God's house, he said. This is the place where heaven meets earth. This is the place where angels ascend and descend. This is the place where God's powerful, booming voice spoke directly to me. This is a dreadful place. This is the place where God meets earth. This is the gate of heaven. And Jacob bowed a bow and he said, if God will be with me, and if God will keep me in this way that I go, it will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. If he will provide for me, if he will be my God, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, this stone here, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And for all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. I'll never forget this place. If you bless me here in this place, God, if you you hear my prayers, if you answer them, I'm I'm not going to forget this place, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to remember this place. It's going to mean more to me than anything else in the world. Every service, we, us, here in this moment, every Sunday like today, Thursday, midweek service, we assemble at a place no less special and no less powerful than where Jacob first encountered God. This assembling right here, this place that we are, is our very own Bethel. This is the house of God. This, this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. This is where the Lord himself, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, meets us every service right here. And just like the ladder in Jacob's dream with the angels ascending and descending, Jesus proclaimed in the New Testament as our direct access to heaven And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus does not just point us in the general direction. Jesus alone is the way and he meets us here. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is here each and every service. He's the way, and he wants to complete a good work in each and every one of us. He is our ladder. He's our direct access to the Spirit. 
He is our opportunity to reach into the spirit, to reach something beyond ourselves in this powerful assembly. But how many times have we assembled at heaven's gate and walked away unchanged? How used to have we got to this atmosphere? How accustomed have we got to it, to where we are like Jacob? We say, surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. I had no idea. I had no clue that he was even here. How many times have we become tired from the happenings of the week, mentally, physically, become stressed out with the problems that we're facing at work or at home? We come into this place. Everyone else seems to be in the the presence of God, rejoicing, but we stand completely still. We walk out unchanged. We can proclaim like Jacob. God's presence was in that place. But I had no idea. I knew it not. We've got to become tired of these wasted moments and these opportunities. While the Lord is trying to speak and we become preoccupied. While he's attempting to work on us and in our lives and we miss the opportunity. We're assembled at heaven's gate today and we have that same opportunity. I'm getting ready to close. Somebody say the Lord is here. When Jacob came into that place, he was so preoccupied with the journey ahead. He was curious about what the next day would hold. He was worried about the problems behind him. He had his brother was hot on his trail, angry, wanting to exact revenge. He was still defined by who he was, his name, liar, supplanter, deceiver. He had a past in his mind that was constantly speaking to him. He had a worry for the future that was constantly speaking to him, pulled in different directions. Anybody ever feel like you're pulled in different directions? And when he got to that place, he laid down, came to that resting spot, directly where God had led him to. He laid down, just the weight of the world on his shoulders. He was so preoccupied, he had no clue and no idea, really, where he was until God had spoken to him and revealed it to him in a dream. What a powerful statement he made. Surely God's presence was here, and I knew it not. It reminded me in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Palm Sunday, we celebrate. Where, you know, in the New Testament, they brought the palms. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. They were gathered around. They pulled out the palms. They're worshiping him. He's riding into Jerusalem for the first time. It's a powerful scene. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He goes into Jerusalem. He's being welcomed like a king. They're worshiping him. They got the palm branches out. They run out of palm branches. They must not have been in Fort Myers. So they run out of palm branches. So they start taking off their coats. They're throwing them down. They don't want they don't want Jesus. They don't want the donkey he's riding in to even just touch the dirt. That's how powerful this is. They don't even want him to touch the dirt. Forget forget royalty and red carpet. 
You ever, you know, the celebrities walk on the red carpet. You wouldn't see anybody taking off their jackets and throwing it down and getting their, their nice jackets all dirty and, and muddy. But that's how much Jesus in this moment meant to these people. That's how powerful this scene was. The Bible says as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he wasn't smiling. He wasn't saying, yeah, this, these people get it. No. The Bible says that Jesus was crying. He was crying. Why? He says, they know not the time of their visitation. They, they're doing the right thing. They are, uh, they've got the process down. They've got the worship down. They look great. They know exactly what's supposed to be done in this moment. But they have no clue who's really riding in their midst. They have no idea what's really happening here. And although on the outside, they're performing great, they got their hands lifted in worship, they're singing the right songs, they're doing their dance, they really don't know what I'm doing here, who I am, and that I'm in their midst. They know not the time of their visitation. Surely Jesus, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is riding right through their midst, and they knew it not. They missed it. How many times can we see, say the same thing? We, we again, we, we've got it down pat. We do great with our praise and worship. We can pray with the best of them. We can, we can, we can sound like an apostolic prayer room. We can, this praise and worship service today is going to be an apostolic praise and worship. People are going to be shouting. People are going to be dancing. We're going to feel the glory bumps. But I wonder if we could see in the spirit, if we could see Jesus' face. I wonder if there's ever a tear that comes down his eye and says, they're doing great, but they're missing it. They know not the time of their visitation, and they're missing it. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I didn't even see it. I missed it completely. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to try to go beyond the usual. I want to try to go beyond my routine. I want to try to focus, and I want to try to become more aware of his presence. Because there's been so many times that I've missed the point. I've missed the mark. I've missed him being here, and I've walked out the same, unchanged, because I took it for granted. He was here, and I didn't know it. He was here, he was in my midst, and I just, I missed it. Lord, don't let that be me today. Don't let that be me this service and this afternoon. But God, I want to become aware of your presence. If you need salvation today, if you need deliverance, this is the gate of heaven. And his presence is here. If you need healing in this place in your body, we've assembled at the gate of heaven. His presence is here. God is meeting earth. If you need deliverance in your mind, there's opportunity here for you. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We come into his presence acknowledging him with thanksgiving on our lips and singing and worship and praise. Don't ever let that become just custom to me. But God, I want to acknowledge you with all that I have, with all that I am. 
Come on, God wants to touch somebody's heart here today. God wants to bless somebody. God wants to renew somebody with the Holy Ghost. God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost for the first time. He wants to bring somebody revelation of who he is. But we've got to acknowledge his presence. We've got to see what's happening here. And we've got to, we've got to say, his presence is here, and I knew it. I knew it. I didn't miss it. So as we sing, why don't you lift your hands with me? Together, could we just acknowledge him? Could we just become aware of who he is? Yes.